but we don't often get together, do we? So this kind of gathering of people over 55, I began a couple of years ago, and I began to see the value of having uh, this you all in this age cohort gathering together. I began to see the value of it as a kind of um, rare opportunity. I discovered that we have a lot to say to each other, that there's a conversation just waiting to be happen, to waiting to happen among people in this age category. And um, so I began to think uh, more seriously about this, this uh, opportunity that we all have to help each other in a phase of life that it might be somewhat confusing, might be a little bit anxiety-provoking, might be exciting, it might be uh, a little bit feeling of the unknown, uh, kind of mysterious. Any of those feelings might be arising in all of you. What I like to do at the beginning, um, and I'm the other thing to say is if it's not obvious, I'm one of you. <laughs> I, I, I just look at the hair. I like to say, what you see is what you get here. There's no lifting, tucking, dying, anything. This is, this is what we got. So, um, so one thing I like to do at the beginning is just to see who is here. In a, in a little bit of an unusual way, but you'll see the, it, it's helpful. So this, I'm going to ask some questions and please raise your hand and then feel free to look around to see who else is here. So those of you in your 50s, how many of you, please raise your hand. Okay, yeah, the babes of the group. <laughs> And then those of you in your 60s, wow, yeah, I guess it's really getting to you, this idea of getting older, <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting the message, your body is teaching you something. Then, those in their 70s, please raise your hands, look around. And then finally, anyone in their 80s here today? Yay! Bravo! How often have you gotten applause just by saying... <laughs> oh. I could say 90s, just in case. Oh my goodness! Wow! Yay! Well, here's a, here's a factoid. I'm going to tell you some facts about the demographics of this time of life. But one of the, the, the facts uh, is that the 90-year-olds 90, the 90 are the fastest-growing age cohort right now. People in their 90s are increasing in numbers. So what does this mean? So I'm going to talk about a few of the demographic trends, just because it is, I, I, I was surprised, and, and maybe you will be too, by what I found. So here, here are some facts. Of course, the time of life between 60 and 65 has traditionally been called the retirement years, or the pre-retirement years. But uh, as was suggested recently in an NPR story, and actually also in other articles I've been reading, retirement may no longer be a relevant word. Many people over 60 are continuing to work, some by choice, some by necessity. Between now and 2020, people ages 55 and over are projected to be the fastest-growing segment of the U.S. labor force. A survey by AARP found the majority of those between 50 and 70 plan to work far into what is traditionally called their retirement years. And more than economic necessity, the desire to be active and productive was the primary motivation. 
So these statistics are just indications of perhaps something occurring. Secondly, people are in part working longer because people are living longer. The recent uh, cover of National Geographic magazine has a baby on the, on the front of the magazine. And the, the headline to this article is, well, you can see, this baby will live to be 120. And then it says, this is not just hype. So the article goes on to describe, it's a very interesting article to read, how the science of longevity is, you know, making headway, and they see it's very possible uh, for people to live beyond 100 now. And as time goes by, longer and longer. As I said, 90-year-olds are the fastest-growing age group. Between 2000 and 2030, the number of Americans over 65 will double. So we don't yet have an agreed-upon word for this phenomenon of people living longer and staying engaged in, in work or productive activity. But researchers do all agree that this trend points to the emergence of a new life stage between adulthood and true old age. A new life stage is appearing. A Washington Post reporter in 2011 said, something huge is happening here. The emergence of an older, more vigorous population is the most significant story of our times. He was impressed. Should we say he or she is re-engaging instead of retiring? Should we have longevity funds instead of retirement funds? <laughs> Just imagine taking 120 as a possibility. What does that mean when you turn 60? You're only halfway there. You have a whole other 60 years of life on the planet. Probably not having more children. <laughs> Maybe if you're a man and you marry a younger woman. But you will have a lot of time to do what? What will you be up to? And what will it mean for the human race? People living that long. I mean, if we have a planet, that's also open to question. <laughs> if the planet is still around. And then there are the growing groups of older people like yourselves who are practicing meditation, yoga, qigong, to name a few things. The uh, practices of uh, cultivating greater sense of well-being by doing these inner, the inner art of uh, working with the mind, working with the body, and, of course, now with neuroscience research, meditators of all ages are, are the hot new subjects. The effects of meditation on the brain are demonstrating many things. One, the positive effects of meditation on immune function, on the nervous system, on cognitive abilities, and particularly in relation to aging, on genes that are related to the aging process, and on cellular activity related to the aging process. They're showing that meditation keeps you young. One researcher called meditation a veritable fountain of youth. One researcher found that those who practice meditation for five or more years reduce their biological age by 12 or more years. So keep at it for five years. You will be, you will be 12 years younger. This means that someone 60 years old has the physiology of a 48-year-old. 
this is not wishful thinking. This is actually research <coughs> science that they're finding this. Studies on the brain have found meditation has effects on the prefrontal cortex and on the gray matter of the lower brain stem, which counters the effects of age. It thickens the brain in these areas. This is known as the neuroplasticity of the brain. In other words, what we do with our mind, with our attention, can be measured in, in matter in the cellular matter of the brain. But another a researcher at UCLA found that the effects on the brain of meditation are not limited to one area, but include large-scale networks of frontal, temporal, parietal, and occipital lobes, the anterior corpus callosum, as well as limbic structures and the brainstem. In other words, pretty much all the functions of the brain <laughs> are positively influenced by the regular practice of meditation. So that's pretty nice to hear, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came here today? <laughs> Think of all the good things you're doing for your, your cells, your, your, your genetic uh, activity, your, your brain. I don't know if it's helped with memory. That's, I can't say exactly that my meditation has helped me have a better memory. So these three trends, this uh, idea of working longer, living longer, and of a whole group of people, we could call you the baby boomers, who are exploring meditation, exploring yoga, exploring qigong, doing things that are different from what our parents, for the most part, did. And that this is actually a significant, having a significant impact on the aging process. These inner awareness disciplines not only better our health and cognitive function, but they also speak of the higher functions of human consciousness. So that there's this, uh, you can come to meditation for stress reduction, you can also come to it for enlightenment, for the understanding of the great sages and teachers such as the Buddha. What did he find by doing all this practice? He found a higher understanding of the meaning and purpose of human life. He found the, the sense of uh, expanded sense of self that can come with meditation. So, this is the backdrop in which we are gathered together. And so, for me, it definitely raises the question, okay, what, what, what is our purpose now as, as, as aging adults what where are we going what is our what are we what are we here to do and i just like to mention that in the context of meditation practice these practices that we teach here at spirit rock come from uh, the southeast asian countries thailand burma sri lanka originating, of course, in India when the Buddha practiced and then the teachings got traveled around and came through Southeast Asia, came through Tibet, came through China, came through Japan. And uh, in those countries, once you're, you hit 60, it is considered that your householder life is complete. You have done your due diligence, so to speak. Your children are raised. They're on their own. Maybe this is open to question now, but for the most part, this has been the, the, the idea of it, that at 60 you are set free to pursue your spiritual life. You're, you are set free in India to wander if you want, to leave home. And, and go find your spiritual teachers, do your spiritual practices. And that is the archetype that still rules many people's lives 
in India. So this is the context. Um, this is the context in which we're practicing together. And let me say another thing about the day, which seems important to um, clarify in case you were wondering, I don't know where you heard about this day long or exactly what brought you here, but this teaching today represents a point of view about aging which includes the spiritual dimension. And as I mentioned, it comes through the teachings of the Buddha as expressed in Thailand, Burma, Sri Lanka. And this is the stream that we have brought here to Spirit Rock through Jack Cornfield primarily. <laughs> so there are other equally valid uh, views and points of view about aging in psychology, in brain science, in gerontology, to name a few. And I may refer to these somewhat today, but they are not front and center. What we will be exploring today primarily is the spiritual dimension of aging and the potential that uh, can come from the insights of living in an, in an aging body. So, Part of what this means is that we are today turning our attention away from the external uh, world, all of our busyness and family life and responsibilities and activities. We are being invited into an exploration of the inner world. Who am I now? Who am I now? From the point of view of the Buddhist teachings, this is a question that can only be answered by looking within. It's not a question that is about finding a new role in life or volunteering to, you know, protect animals or, you know, it's not about finding a new role. It's about Looking within. This is a classic spiritual question. Who am I? Um, who am I? Taught in perhaps many of the world's religions, this question of identity is a central one. So even though some people, older people, may take on the identity of a grandma or grandpa or a volunteer or caregiver, that is not where we're going today. We're looking at that dimension of ourselves which is not based on our roles, our activities, not based on our appearance, on our body's appearance, not based on our accomplishments, Zen teacher Darlene Cohen described this dimension of our being as the one who is not busy. Do we know that one? <laughs> We've come a long way from that one, haven't we? In the busyness of our lives, what happened to the one who is not busy? It's a dimension of being which has been present in you since the moment you were born and will be with you in the moment that you die, but that we lose touch with in all the activities and busyness of our life. Darlene Cohen said, it is the aspect of ourselves that is not goal-oriented or time-oriented. It is not concerned with gaining or losing, but is boundless and infinite. <clears throat> Only to be discovered in, a, in an ongoing, real way, through the practice of meditation, through the practice of some inner exploration. Eckhart Tolle writes about this reorientation that can happen in older years. He calls it the return movement, returning 
returning back from all the activity of life to looking within. He calls it uh, the weakening or dissolution of form and that it carries great potential for spiritual awakening. The disidentification of our consciousness with form. It is precisely through the onset of old age, through loss or personal tragedy, that the spiritual dimension would traditionally come into people's lives. That is to say, their inner purpose would emerge only as their outer purpose collapsed and the shell of ego would begin to crack open. So there's this opportunity in aging. We've done so much. Have we done enough? Can we bring the doing to some sort of completion? When is enough doing? Have we accomplished enough? Have we seen enough? Have we tasted enough? Have we, <laughs> have we heard enough music? Have we seen enough beauty? Have we, you know, there's a sense of maybe this is enough. I find that in myself, you know, like, oh, wow, what a, this is a a full life, you know, it's going to come to an end, but there's a sense of, a a greater sense of enoughness. If I don't, you know, have another fantastic special meal, that's okay, (laughs) If I don't, if I don't get to travel to every country, in the world. That's okay. There's a sense of, okay, enough. So this is, um, as I said, the context for what we are doing here. We're turning inward to an inner exploration. And speaking of an inner exploration, I think it's time that we got a little quiet. So please, so we'll do a sitting for about a half an hour, and um, I'll give a little bit of guidance. How many of you have not had any guidance in the kind of meditation we teach here at Spirit Rock? Okay, a few of you. I'll say a few things that will just help you to begin to arrive here. Maybe we should open a few windows. Okay. Thank you. So gathering your attention Letting go of the morning's activities, of the rushing to get here. And recognizing that now you are here. You made it. You're in your seat. Your eyes are gently closed. You're in a safe environment to close your eyes and 
gently feel your body sitting. Make sure your body is comfortable. Relax. Relax. If there is tightness or tension in your body, just notice that. Perhaps the shoulders, perhaps the jaw could be unclenched a bit. Let the belly be soft. Reminding yourself that right now you have nothing to do, nothing to figure out. No one special to be. You can simply experience directly what is here. What is here? If you bring awareness to your experience right now, what do you notice? Maybe you notice the temperature of your body, coolness, warmth. Perhaps you notice the heaviness of your body, the solidity of the body. Or you might be aware of sounds sound of my voice, the sound of birds. Sounds in the room. <coughs> Distant sounds. There's nothing you have to do in meditation. Simply noticing what is here.
there's always six things that are occurring. Hearing, sensing, sensations in the body, including breathing, Thinking, and three more, which are seeing, smelling, and tasting. And mostly those three at the moment are probably not highly functioning. This is what the Buddha described as the sense doors. This is where we meet the external world through hearing, sensing, thinking, seeing, smelling, and tasting. That's the basic building blocks of our physical experience. So in meditation we begin with noticing, being open to seeing, open to hearing, smelling, tasting, thinking, sensing. without judging or rejecting or pushing away. (laughs) Without getting lost in, clinging, grabbing hold of. But finding that exquisite balance of attention where you can simply notice Breathing as it comes and as it goes. You can notice sounds as they come and as they go. You can notice sensations as they come and as they go. So it helps to have a very open, allowing attitude. Nothing to achieve here. (coughs) As connecting moment to moment with this unfolding experience. Like you're out on a river floating in a canoe or on a raft. There's no danger. You can just settle back and be carried along by the stream of your experience. Not getting lost. Simply allowing what's here to be known, to be recognized, hearing, thinking, sensing, 
What are you aware of right now? What are you aware of right now?
If you find you're very distracted by thinking, you might make the breath a focus. You might particularly choose the breath to focus on. To give the mind a place to gather itself. We can be aware of whatever is happening in any moment. Awareness is always present, always available to us when we take the the moment to recognize what is here. Awareness is not far away.
Awareness reveals to us what we don't notice when we're busy thinking. Awareness reveals what we don't notice when we're busy thinking. What are you aware of right now?
So this is one of the forms of meditation practice that we teach here at Spirit Rock. It's not the only form because the way that we work with ourselves is sometimes sitting silently with with ourselves, just being as present as we can. Sometimes the way we work with ourselves is by asking ourselves a question and consciously looking at that question, taking it in and seeing what comes from focusing on a particular question. And then sometimes we practice in dyads where we are asking each other questions and helping each other go deeper into the question through uh, a process that we'll do a little bit later this morning. So now I'd like to, uh, we're going we're gonna to go outside and walk, and while we're walking, I have some questions for you to contemplate. Um, and it, it has to do with identity, because I think we begin the exploration of identity by, by looking to see where we've been. What have we been most identified with in our life? What have we taken in our past, in our past roles, in our past capacities, in our uh, images of ourselves, in our ideas about ourselves, in our uh, feeling of the body as being who I am? What have we been most identified with in our lives? And how is that changing? Um, Or is it in the process of changing? Or has it changed and you've let it go? So I'll tell a little story just to illustrate, which is that when I was in my 20s, I was living in New York City, and I was very uh, aware of my, my looks. You know, it seems like sort of a thing you do in your <coughs> 20s. Now it seems kind of like bizarre, but at the time it seemed like, yeah, I'm in my 20s. And, and of course, that was in the 60s, and we were all running around in mini, mini skirts. And, you know, we weren't deep, we didn't have a lot of clothes on, basically. <laughs> I, I even have a, I, as one sort of a relic from that time period of my life, I have, a, uh, I have a dress in my closet that was a mini dress. It was like my favorite mini dress. And it was, uh, now I, I take it out of the closet, it's about this long. <laughs> but I remember running around Manhattan with my mini dress and my, my boots on, you know. I thought I was, you know, pretty good, pretty good, and it was so it was so enjoyable to to be like that. So that's an identity that clearly is no longer with me. It's not, you know, something I aspire to. It's not something I think about. It's not, you know, it's gone. It's gone. So I'd like you to contemplate in the same way, and it could mean anything. It might be attached to your body, it might be attached to a certain capacity that you've had, or a certain kind of person that you've always been, the strong person, or the person other people look to for leadership, or the person that um, always could figure it out, or the person who... um, had a particular talent, you know, maybe you were a fine artist and you could see the colors in a very subtle way that you got commented on and, you know, you, you became proud of that in yourself. And, and now where is it? Or where is it? How is it changing? So we're going to do a walking, and I'd like you just to look if, each in your own experience at what some of the roles and capacities and ways of being that you have been most identified with, just to put you in touch with that. And I'd like to do this walking uh, in silence so that we stay with it as a meditation, you could say. And um, we'll have about 25 minutes. We'll ring a bell in 20 minutes for you to begin to come back, but you'll have about 25 minutes to do this. You can mostly walk outside, I would suggest.
and you can also use this as a bathroom break. But um, stay within yourself and just use this as a reflection on who you have been and how that is changing. Okay? Any questions about that? Or? Okay, so when you hear the bell, come on back. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.